All right, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Lost in the Long Box for Wednesday, March 20th. Um, I'm Randall with my other two co-hosts, a madman there working the soundboard, and my boy over Th- here. Thomas. Thomas. Sounded like there for a moment you forgot who you were. <laughs> I'm Bob, 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 I am at that age, dude. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you are. Getting a little old. He, didn't want to, he, name. he told us earlier he wants to record all the like promos we have to do like for like Facebook and Twitter and stuff. Right, like that, because I can't remember to, that crap. He can't be bothered to remember it. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, you haven't lived until you've woken up in the middle of the night to pee and had to stop and go, where's the bathroom? What did I get up for? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't done that. <laughs> Which I, house I, is this? I have walked into a room and forgot why I walked in there, but oh, you know, that, I've, I've never wa- woke up in the middle of the night having to go to the bathroom. Only, the bathroom only gets worse, brother. But I mean, granted, that's probably not going to happen yeah. since you know there's a bathroom in the master bedroom. See, so right now, hard right now you walk into the room and forget, why did I come in here? Soon, it'll be the point where you'll leave a room, you won't even make it to the other room, and you'll turn around and go back and go, what was I doing? <laughs> and yet, you remember every single detail of Crisis on Infinite Earth. There you go. Well, that's important. Well, you got to have the important <laughs> stuff now, right? <laughs> exactly. That's like uh, Married with Children when Bud had to re-educate Kelly and said there was a, a finite amount of space in there, some stuff had to go. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you try to pour a gallon of milk into a shot glass, some things are going to spill. All right, so <laughs> as we're digressing, how was everybody's weekend? Good, I hope. Oh, uh, yeah, I had a good time. Um, nothing really specific I can come up with, but, you know, pretty good weekend. It's going to be a good weekend this weekend. Um, Fandango was doing a lot of Shazam um, early access screenings, and Thomas and Enos and I actually got tickets for that one. Enos is on his way. He is... And encountered the the classic um, East Coast Virginia yeah, traffic Virginia, here, Northern Virginia traffic. Yeah, if, if they say our traffic is actually worse than LA, can you believe this? That's hard to believe. No, but I, I don't. I can't believe. I don't that. know. I've driven in there, Georgia, I, Atlanta, Georgia traffic. So, I, yeah, several I years ago, I don't know if I'd go go uh, uh, say that this who, is worse than that because that was terrible. Yeah, yeah so, Atlanta's bad. Oh, I know. Atlanta is horrible. But yeah, several years ago. Um, Someone from L.A. had moved here and actually told, I think, DMV, so your traffic is worse than ours, and we have three times the population. So, yeah. They told them their lights were set up all wrong, and they were like, yeah, we know. <laughs> we're not going to do anything about it. Right. All right, so let's find out what news and noteworthy um, stuff happened since last week. On this one, I am both um, thrilled and, and flabbergasted at the same time. Disney, wait for it, wait for it has rehired James Gunn to write and direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Yeah. Isn't this the same guy you just fired like six months ago? Yeah, it is. Because of a, a, a tweet he made like four or five years ago? No, it was 10 like? years ago. It was ten a decade ago. ago. Yeah. It was a decade ago, and they knew about it when they hired him. Right. But here's what's great. They don't know when it's actually going to film because he's going to do it after he completes Suicide Squad 2. Yeah, at least he's honoring his you know, other commitments first. Well, I don't think he has a choice in honoring the commitments. I think Warner Brothers has said, okay, that's fine, but we just put you on contract to do Suicide Squad 2. We've done let all the old cast go with the exception of Margot Robbie. You, you need to finish, just finish this out. Plus, I think he's actually uh, got some good ideas for it. That, uh, not that I've read anything, but you know James Gunn. I'm, I'm sure he's already got things percolating as soon as he got the job. And yeah, Speaking of the Suicide Squad 2, from what I've heard, Idris Elba is supposed to be playing Deadshot in that. Yes, that's actually, there's been several articles about that that's pretty which, much confirmed. Which I'm all for, don't get me wrong. He's a great actor, and I'm sure he'll be great in the role. But I was a little disappointed to hear that. I, I, I look at Idris Elba, and I think John Stewart. Stewart, yeah. <laughs> you and 90% yeah. of the rest of the Yeah, I, 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 I would have preferred him to be, you know, Green Lantern. And, and it's funny, too, because <laughs> the majority of the reactions on this has not been, oh, cool, he's going to be Deadshot. It's been, oh, damn, he's not going to yeah, get John Stewart. Damn, now he's not going <laughs> to get John Stewart. That, that's exactly how I felt when, it was, when, it, when I found out about it. I was like, damn it, because he would have been perfect. So here's one that I read that I have actually today was considering maybe I should um, apply for this one. So get this, guys. CableTV.com is offering someone the chance to marathon all 20 of the MC movies, MCU movies, and you'll get paid $1,000 plus a Blu-ray copy of each of the MC movies. Um, so they said it's not going to involve any of the non-MCU movies, which I don't know what those would even be. I, that, I would imagine they're talking about like the X-Men movies. Right. Um, but not only that, and it wouldn't include the TV shows. Um, so they said really the only stipulation is that you have to be constantly blogging during the marathon, which I get that, and you've got to be prepared to do takeaway discussion to help rank the films. So anybody out there, if you've got time to kill and you want to make $1,000 and get free copies of the MCU movies, quit shaking your head, man. I mean, just, you a K, just 1K? 
You're out of your mind. For 20 movies? So well, well, let me ask you, are you allowed to sleep in between some of them? Because you know, know, if I have to stay f- up 40 hours straight, that, yeah. I, I'm not going to be able to do that. I mean, it's not that yeah, I don't I'm not want going to do that. For this. It's not that I don't want to do I, it. It's and, that I can't. There's and they no did way. make it sound like it's going to be a couple of days of sitting there watching them back to back. So I would get one of those poop chairs like an idiocracy that Dak Shepard was using. <laughs> Go ahead, Peyton. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway, guys, for those of you that actually might be interested in sitting there going, I can do that, you can find the rules and the entry available at cabletv.com. So I have a sneaking suspicion it might be watching them on television there with all their... Um, Is it going to be with commercials and everything? God, I would hope not. I, oh, yeah. Since they did that's going to make it even longer. Since they did say it's $1,000 and all the Blu-ray copies of the MCU movies, I'm assuming that if they hire you, they... FedEx those puppies overnight and say, here you go, start Friday? Well, I mean, my thing is, you know, I would, I mean, $1,000, that's, you know, worth, that's for two days' work, not bad. But, you know, but still, I, you I, have I take to be that. up for 40 hours. But 40 hours straight, I don't think I could, yeah. I don't think I could stay awake for 40 hours straight. Uh, I think that's what they know is that these nerds probably could. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dude, I mean, there's some um, land gamers out there, especially with the uh, the MMOs. 40 hours is nothing. nothing. Yeah. 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 yeah if, if I was, you know, 20 years ago at, you know, 22, Maybe yeah. at forty two. Oh no! Had a bunch of Mountain Dew. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, at at forty two, ten o'clock rolls around. It's like maybe I'm going to bed. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. You can do a Cartman and yell "mother," and she'll come in through a bucket for you to poop in. Oh. <laughs> all right. So, what other news? Um, all right, guys out there, you all need to be buying more comics. Do you know February comic sales numbers came out, and Batman Who Laughs number three was the only book to sell over 100K copies. Wow. So you all are slacking. Wow. Especially since I know there is some good stuff out there that you guys could be buying and spending money on. Um, Oh, wait a minute. How about you quit buying all those variants and you might be able to buy other titles? So, Enos, is your your mic hot? Oh, yeah. Uh, Try Uh, again. Try again. Oh, yeah. There we go. Now you're hot. All right, all right, Enos, say hello. Hello, everyone. Tell our lovely listeners you're sorry you're late. Uh, of course. <laughs> Fans were sorry late tonight. My God, there was a rear ender on uh, Mary, right in front of the CVS um, going towards Mary Washington College. No damage, and the fools just sat in the middle of the road holding up traffic. Uh, wow, that must have been right after I passed because I came up route one myself. Right, yeah. Okay. It, it was probably right after you left there, one of those taxis. See, Madman, that's why I left early. <laughs> Get ahead of the crowd. Yeah, you've actually beat me here twi- two weeks in a row, so I don't know what, I must be slacking a little bit. Yeah, you are slacking just a yeah, because It, it well, seems like everyone wants to, wants to tear the cars up when I'm trying to get here. Because this is, guys, I'm going to tell you something. I have been meaning to say this. I look forward to coming here with you guys every week. I get myself geared up every week for this. And you every, get psyched, don't you? Oh, oh man, yeah. does that <laughs> is Daffy Duck crazy? Because <laughs> I noticed your end of the table sits at a higher angle than ours, and I, I don't understand why. I'm just <laughs> saying. I, I, I look forward coming here at, and talking shop with you guys every week, and I try my best to get here, man. But everybody said, let's tear the cars and just let hold Enos up because he know because we know his level of excitement <laughs> is through the roof. We're gonna so need we, like a training montage video. For All that. right, yeah, <laughs> we'll play it to the, like the Rocky theme. So we're yeah. going over the the news and noteworthy items. that already mentioned that Disney uh, did a 180 and rehired James Gunn for um, Guardians of the Galaxy three. Um, cable dot cable TV dot com offering some fool a thousand dollars to sit there and watch the Marvel MCU movies. <laughs> Said the man who's going to probably go online tonight and apply for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so final uh, the Avengers Endgame final trailer dropped. Captain America was at the end of it with the whole Thor calling. Uh, what was it? Was it the hammer again? And there's a sword still, right? Or his axe, axe, right? An axe. He's yeah. Yeah. Still, he still has Stormbreaker right now, right? Stormbreaker, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and zooms past her head and just nearly misses cutting her head off. And you know what? She showed more emotion in that one ten she did the whole than cotton picking movie. movie. That's right. Um, but everybody's like, woohoo, Captain Marvel. I'm like, yeah, she's probably going to be in it for five minutes. <laughs> All right, let's quit. Let's quit harping on Captain Marvel. Yeah, we did yeah, that. I mean, I, I went. I went in depth on this. Yeah, we, on we shredded Shock that sucker last week. So oh, moving on. Yeah, we heard. I, I went for even further in depth uh, yesterday on Shock Monkey Radio. Coolness. Um, so, also, um, Marvel Comics legend Joe Sinnott has announced he is going to retire 
Wow. After Saturday Spider-Man newspaper strip runs, um, which, by the way, um, he's actually he's been with Marvel for 69 years. Woo! Um, and he has pretty much inked every major Marvel comic book at one time or other. He, um, he actually started with Fantastic Four from like 1965 through 81, initially inking over Jack Kirby's work. Okay? Oh, wow. So, yeah, if it's... And then he had huge runs on the Avengers and Defenders and Thor. So if there's a Marvel title, his hands were probably on it. Yeah, somewhere. that sounds pretty legendary. And, so. and let's face it, you if you've put your hands on a Marvel comic over the past, like with our lifetime, past 25 years or better, you've seen his Just name. It, right. Yeah. And he was actually one of those inkers. We, and we were just having this conversation with Troy over at Flashback a couple weeks ago. There are very few inkers in the business that you can look at a comic and go, oh, that's Joe Sinnott inking this. Because he was that descriptive of his style. You, you knew his inking. So. And he's a tracer. Him, him, he's a tracer. <laughs> that's messed up. <laughs> him, jo- um, Joseph Rubenstein, bec- and um, Brett Breeding. Right. I had the pleasure of talking to him. I took a claim. His son was involved in an accident when I was in. When no personal information. You can't reveal where you're working. Oh, oh, no, no, oh no, no, no. <laughs> I, the, the, I was. Uh, I had the pleasure of speaking with him, and I just named him for me, and I asked him if if he, if he was who he was, and I told he told me yes, I am. I said I'm a big fan. He said, Wow, I didn't know anybody. I've never realized anybody paid that much attention to my work. Yeah, it's. Absolutely. I mean, inking is very important. Oh, I mean, oh yes. Yeah. When it a comes good. to shading and adding depth and so forth. Here's, and here's, and Mad Men hits the nail on the head. A great inker can make a bad artist look good. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And by oh, the yeah. same token of that, a crappy inker can ruin fantastic art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. You know, there's, there's several ones. Who, who was it that used to um, ink on with Kirby a lot? And they would show the original pencils and, and the inking that was done afterwards. And it was like night and day. I can't even think of his name. That's got to be Joe Sinnott. Yeah, it's got to be him. Because he yeah. did it, I guess, for years, he followed behind Kirby, especially on Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Now, the guy I'm thinking about would, would be, would, you know, erase things and take shortcuts to try to get more pages out and everything like that. It's not Sinat. I can't think of his name. I'd have to look him up. If mm-hmm. only there was some type of device yes. on the internet where you could type stuff in. Yeah, and if, it if only there results. was something like that. Yeah. Well, Anywho. Madman's the producer. He'll, he'll handle that. I'm looking so, up Jack Kirby. What are you doing? So here's the interesting thing. Joe Sinnott's retiring after the last Spider-Man strip on Sunday, but the Spider-Man strip itself is coming to an end. Um, so the actual last Sunday edition was just this last Sunday on, on the 17th. The actual last strip for Spider-Man will be this Saturday, March 23rd. You know that thing has been running since 77? Wow. 42 years. Yes. Yeah. And you know what I always liked about that strip? Was the fact that it stayed out of the continuity of the comic book. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so you could read it, and it was still the Spider-Man of the 60s and the 70s. Yeah, but you're talking about four panels a week. I know, yeah. It's not that, it's, that's a good gig, if you ask me. But they weren't bringing in all that other stuff from the storylines. We, we weren't getting clone sagas. Well, we you weren't don't, getting yeah, Venoms. And, yeah, you have four panels a week, so you can't tell a big, huge story. Right. I noticed, too, when you look at it, it still says by Stan Lee. <laughs> uh, the man hasn't written that thing since the early 80s. I guarantee it. <laughs> is um is his brother Larry still doing the artwork on it? Was his brother Larry Lee still doing the artwork? Uh, maybe, but I can tell you that Joe Sinnott's been, his gig for the last few years has been inking that book or inking that strip. So that's why he's that's retiring. That's not a bad gig. Four panels a week. How old is he? Uh, he is, um, I don't know. It's got to be up, up there. there. Yeah. I got his information right here. I think he's... Well, he was with Marvel for 92 years old. So I say he's got to be in his 90s easily. There you go. Man deserves his retirement. Absolutely. Talk about doing what you love. Yeah, no doubt. Right. Talk about doing what you love. Because that's really all that's going on right now is he's just doing it because he loves it. There's there's really no other reason. Exactly. Because you can't can't be getting paid much for that. I mean, oh, Mula. Thank you, sir. Um, Other news. (laughs) So... The Silencer, one of DC's New Age of Heroes, that is coming to an end in June. Um, unfortunately, that little experiment for DC didn't work well because they've already cut um, Immortal Man, Sideways, Damage, Curse of Brimstone, which I think is ending this week. I think that out of that whole DC's New Age of Heroes, that only leaves it Terrifics now. Yeah. Um, and that'll probably get cans here soon as well. Now it's kind of hard to start new characters sometimes. Well, you know what? Here's the thing, though. I remember reading a lot of reviews and other websites that said the Silencer and Sideways were great books. They yeah. loved them. Um, and, and unfortunately, I think Sideways was one of the first casualties. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes 
books are critically acclaimed, but people just don't get into them. I don't know. Well, yeah, I can tell you I didn't get into any of them. So, Oh, yeah. here's a piece of news that, Thomas, you're going to love. So Peter David and Dale Kwon, Kwon? how is that last I name? I think it's Kwon. Kwon, Kwon, yeah. Are going to reunite? Oh no, they're not reuniting for a Hulk one shot called Hulk Last Call. Oh, oh yeah, I'll get that. Snap. Oh yeah, that's bought. Yep, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get that. I, I read that and I think that is going to go right through the ceiling. Was Wait. that a flicker? That was a flicker. <laughs> well, isn't Peter David supposed to be working on the uh, symbiote Spider Man that's supposed to be coming up? I uh, I think he is, but you know David wrote Hulk for over ten years, starting from like the eighties up through the nineties, and Joe then fix it. and then Dale yep. joined him in the nineties. But that is going to be fantastic. Yes. I mean, because for so for so many of us that was reading Hulk back then, David's run is the perfect Hulk. Oh, yes. I mean, we went through the whole Joe Fixit era with Peter David and the whole Spider-Man fighting the Joe Fixit. And didn't we get the Intelligent Hulk for a we while got, as we well? Got the, we got the Professor Hulk. Yep. Yeah, I actually and got the, the um, uh, Pantheon. I got that yes. uh, that that amazing Spider Man um, just the other day where where he was had his cosmic powers and was fighting the Hulk. Well, when he was when he was Captain Universe. When he was Captain yes. Universe, yeah, uh, yeah, I picked that. I got that one the other day. I, w- I always thought, man, that was an offshoot of Marvel for some reason. That's that's what I like to have seen Marvel become. Like his essence would get caught up in the Nega bands, and then whoever would put those bands on right. would have the right. power. His power. I, that's what I wanted. Well, it was to the exact same premise because right. remember. Yeah. Um, Captain Universe premiered in Micronauts number eight. Right. Um, because I recently got all that run last year and finished reading it again because I loved me some Micronauts. But uh, it was the whole premise that the power, just like the negative bands, whenever there was a crisis and it had to intervene, whoever it picked worthy at the scene at the time got the power. Right. The hero that could be you. Right. Exactly. Yep, exactly. Um, oh, another little piece of news I read. So, you know, Donnie Cates. The, the guy who's on fire over at Marvel with, like, you know, the Cosmic Ghost Rider. And um, he's doing Guardians of the Galaxy. Of the Galaxy. I believe he's also doing Venom, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, he's also going to be doing a Silver Surfer miniseries with Trad, with Trad Moore. So that should be really good. Uh, from what I understand, um, Mr. Cates knows how to spin a yarn. So, and Silver Surfer, that sounds like a win-win right there. I, I'm a fan of Silver Surfer, so I'll at least give it a try. Yep, oh, so yeah. am I. Uh, New new releases. So there's a couple of nice things that came out this week. Um, Enos, I don't, you weren't here when I was talking about this earlier. Any of you guys out there that are Firefly fans, um, I love that show. It's fantastic. This week from Boom Studios and Enos, I will tell you, our buddy Ed had a stack of them like this. Really? Firefly, Bad Company, number one. It's the origin of Saffron. Oh, snap. Yes. Get yourself over there and get one. I almost picked up an additional two copies because I, I thought, told myself, I know someone who's going to want this. <laughs> I'm going to, it's funny you mentioned over at Gateway, I am going to be picking up the trade paperback of Jack Kirby's run on uh, Mr. Miracle. It's what's a big, thick book over there, and I'm going to grab that bad boy. I got it when it came out. Oh, um, yeah. Because I have all the original issues, but I told myself I didn't want to actually be opening them and reading them, so... They stayed bagged and boarded. You know, I rebagged them when I got mm-hmm. them. Um, so when that trade came out, I was like, just in a nick of time because I think I got the last couple of issues I needed just last year. Right. And so I got that trade, and there we go. Did you, by chance, um, collect any of uh, the Engelhard Marshall Rogers run on I Mr. Did, Mary? I, I did not. I've um, got to man those, those issues, man. The artwork on that was You're phenomenal. talking about the ones that picked up right after yeah. the Kirby run stuff. Yeah. yeah. Back in uh, 77, 78. Yep, I think I will have to pick those up. So, also new releases, too. Uh, Dark Horse is putting out Invisible Kingdom number one this week. Uh, I was This is one I actually remember reading a couple months ago, so it, it actually hit the shelves today. Um, I'll just give you the premise here. Apparently, it's set in a um, future in a, a star system, and it's a story of two women. One's like a religious acolyte, and another one's a, a hard-bitten, hard-bitten freighter pilot. And they both discover that there's a big conspiracy between the leader of the system's dominant religion and the major corporations, and they get entangled up in it somehow. So one of those strange bedfellows type of uh, scenarios. But again, shows you that Dark Horse is now wanting to experiment a little more past the licensed properties. So Yeah, it's probably a good idea. I'm, I was really um, surprised that Dark Horse was still around when, Mar- when uh, Marvel took back the uh, Star Wars franchises after after the Disney after Disney bought them, I was like, there's no way they're going to survive. But they have. Well, it's only going to get worse now that the Disney Fox acquisition is completed. 
because that means now Disney slash Marvel now has the right to Aliens and Terminator comics. Yeah, and I mean the one thing the one thing that I don't understand is I noticed that Dark Horse is um was putting out was putting out um or was it IDW? Might have been IDW. It's putting out the DuckTales and the uh, and like the Frozen comics and stuff like that. It's IDW because they're also yeah, doing like, they're also doing like Marvel Adventure comics, which I can't mm-hmm. figure this one out either. Yeah, so I didn't understand that. I was like, you know what? So I can only assume that either IDW has paid for some type of licensing to reprint those Marvel Young Adventure stories, or Disney approached them and said, hey, we would like to give you some Marvel Young Adult stuff, because that's what it pretty much looks like. Yeah, I mean, what's well, a good good thing, you know? We definitely need to get some of the younger readers out there, you know, gotta, I, and gotta I'm not, draw them in. Not gonna argue young. with you. Oh, yeah. Oh, and another one, that came, another one that came out today, um, make sure you pick this one up too, Enos. This okay. is, um, I mentioned this a couple months ago, and now it's on the stands. Spider-Man Life Story number one. The 60s. Oh, oh yeah. yes, I'd read something about that. That was intriguing. I, yes, I think, remember, yeah, each yeah, issue is going to be a different decade of his life. So it's supposed mm-hmm. to go all the way to the 90s. And if I remember reading correctly, he's supposed to age naturally uh, throughout the series, too. So I can say it's about time. Wouldn't he be able to, like, they're 80 years old now? Right. Something well, they're close to it, yeah. They're trying to do what they did way back in the day with New Universe, where they took place in real time, mm-hmm. um, except they had a bad time of explaining, well, if a book uh, continued to the next issue, how do you explain that 30 days have passed? Yeah. <laughs> So, so those are the new ones that came out. And again, that's not all the new ones. I just like to particularly mention things that are first issues of new series or jumping on points. Um, if you're reading the other comics, you know where you're at. You know what you're picking up. But we kind of like to point out, hey, you know, then now's a good time to pick up this book. Or here's a book that looks really fantastic. I, you know what, Thomas? And I really hate to say this. I can't wait for Girl in the Bay number three. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be great. And I think next month... Oh, yes. This, by the way, got a reminder. Next week, Detective Comics 27 or 1000 comes out. Mm-hmm. And, hey, you, the final count for alternate covers, 33. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the one that I want is you know sold out and selling for $100. So, uh, yeah. Let me guess. Art germ. Oh, yeah. The, the retro cover? So it's bad. beautiful. Man. Absolutely beautiful. I, it's not $100 beautiful, but it's beautiful. Oh, oh, right? oh, oh, you got that right. Well, yeah. and I told Tommy I'm really, really aggravated with the Detective Comics 1000s variants because I only wanted like three or four of them. But every time I went to that retailer site, sold out, sold out, sold out. Oh, yeah. I'm like, well, that's fast. But uh, the Art Germ one is one that I really wanted. Yeah, that's a beautiful but cover. But speaking of Art Germ, have you seen his alt cover for Catwoman 12? Yes. With the purple Catwoman oh, from the yes. 40s? Oh, yes. That's a gorgeous cover. I am all over that one. I don't read Catwoman, but I'm thinking about starting, you know, even if I don't start at number 12, you know. Well, you know it's going to be a good time to start because you know we in a previous show, past show, um, Randy mentioned how Tom King said he's going to be on Batman for 100 issues and it's going to culminate with their wedding. So this would be, probably be a good time to jump on. Yeah, yeah. Well, now hang on there. Tom King himself didn't say that. Oh, I don't okay. want. I don't want listeners out there who might spread that. Okay. Oh, they're going to finally get married. What I'm saying is, I think the non-wedding in fifty is going to build up to the actual real marriage in issue one hundred. Right. Okay. And remember, Randy worships at Tom King's feet. So well, well, if anybody would know, yes, we it know would this. be Randy. We know this. That's why you know I didn't what? think I'm Tom not, King. I'm, I'm not going to deny it anymore. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're in love with Tom King. We all know that. And I'll, I might even tell him an awesome kind of go order. Says, I love you, man. If anything happens and your wife dies, I'll just nod at him and just kind of. Ah, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, and on that note, I'm going to let Mad Men pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to catch my breath, too. <laughs> I don't know how you can follow that. Um, yeah, uh, Lost in the Long Box is sponsored by Danny's Pizza and Subs. Check them out at dannyspizzaandsubs.com. They are located at 10657 Spotsylvania Avenue. Uh, they have a five-mile delivery uh, radius from that address, so sorry, King George. Um, you can reach them at 540-898-5008. They are open Monday through Thursday from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Fridays and Saturdays are open from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Sundays are open from noon to 8 p.m. It is always buy one, get one free pizzas at Danny's Pizza and Subs. Check them out at dannyspizzaandsubs.com, 898-5008. Bill's paid. Randy, Randy, you made him lose his breath last week when you showed him all those, co- comic, co- books. those comic books. Now you made him lose his Dude, breath this week. Is this, cu- become, is this becoming an ongoing gag? He was cussing me on his other podcast, Shot Monkey Radio. <laughs> 
You didn't even hear it yet, so you listen to it and then you comment on it. Well, because I was just you made a mistake of telling me you were cussing me. I, I, I was getting ready to say um, while he was doing that, I was while trying to motion to you go and tell you, Randy got him again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's becoming an ongoing gag. Yeah. So it's trying to throw throw madman. So the I guess there's going to be two things we have to start tracking for 2019. How many times do I fire Thomas? And how many times do I uh, cause Mad Men to lose his train yeah, of thought? Yeah, and get a, a I need fart. to hit some of the man tea shops you hit, bro. Uh, right. did I t- oh, oh, there's some good stuff downtown. Yeah, uh, I, I went this past week, and I didn't actually pick up anything because I'm saving my money for Awesome Con, but there, I found some good stuff. So some, of them, some have some really good stuff. So I don't know if he told you this, Enos, but last week, um, like maybe last Wednesday or Thursday, Tommy sends me an instant message at work, and he goes, Say, what was the name of those two antique stores downtown? I said, oh, yeah, they were called Stay the Hell Away, they're my gold mines. (laughs) (laughs) It goes, oh, I see how it is. (laughs) Yeah, Madman was trying to get everybody buzzing yesterday, that darn video. I I couldn't stop laughing. I said, okay, you did this to catch somebody who was drunk. What's that? It was a video you put up yesterday. Little your thing was spinning around. He said, "Hope anybody." Oh, you get dizzy. Yeah. By the way, jerkwad, I watched that too, and I was like, "What the hell is he doing?" I couldn't stop laughing because I knew it was meant to catch some fool off guard. Yeah. What? And and then I thought to myself, "How the hell is he doing that?" Is, is he just like spinning his smartphone in his hand? Or he threw it up in the air. <laughs> he threw it up in the air. And I, it was just like, oh, he is going to make somebody fall off their bike. Oh, <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've paid the bills and we've covered the news items and uh, what's coming out, let's get to today's topic before we sit here and digress to the point that we run out of show. So this week, we are going to be talking about the unsung creators of the comic industry. Um, and by unsung, what I mean is there are tons of Men and women in the comic industry who wrote comics, illustrated them, inked them, lettered them, what have you, um, who you just don't know, but yet you saw their work everywhere. Um, I mean, there are several times you'll be reading a book and you go, wow, this is really good. Who wrote this? And you look down and read the name. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to use the name, for instance, Peter David. And you'd be reading another book. You're like, man, this is really good. Who's writing this? Oh, Peter David. Finally, about the 34th Tower, you'd be like, man, I like everything this guy's writing. Um, so there are tons of artists, writers like that out there. Um, I'm actually going to pass to Enos, let him read first, because I'm tr- still trying to find this stupid Catwoman cover for him. Mm-hmm. Because you've got to see this thing. It is, it is beautiful. Art germ. Yeah, the, art, the new art germ Catwoman cover. It is, it is beautiful. For Catwoman number 12. Yeah, it's gorgeous. I, art germ's a very talented artist. Yeah, I've seen some other ones. He's yeah, pretty yeah, good. Incredibly I, talented. I pretty much now I'm already reading Catwoman anyway, so anytime it comes out, I always just get the art germ variant. Um, his Wonder Woman variants have been awesome, and his Supergirl ones are amazing too. Oh yeah, the, this, the most recent the most recent Supergirl was that him or was that Adam Hughes the, for for what was it twenty eight or twenty nine? That's him. Okay, yeah, that's gorgeous too. All right, so uh, Ina says we stole the limelight from you to get us here. I'm sorry, it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> Folks, um, back when we did the um, African, did the, uh, the spotlight on the African-American artists, one of the first that I talked about that was truly unsung was a gentleman by the name of Matt Baker. And if you go back and you can go online and listen to that episode, and I talked in depth about his impact for the short time that he was in the industry and with us because he died at an early age. But I want to talk about someone tonight who had an impact on one of one of the major characters in DC Comics and is truly unsung as a female, female artist, and she doesn't get her due. And because you know, you hear about Marie Severin, uh, Trina Robbins, just to name a few, but there's a lady by the name of Ramona Freighton. And if you grew up during the 70s and read the Super Friends tie in comic book, she did artwork to that. But before that, she was who really, other than Nick Cardi and Jim Apero, she is also best known for bringing Aquaman to prominence in the backup stories during the, um, during the uh, early 60s up until Nick Cardi took over and then eventually um, we were um, treated to Jim Apero. But, sh- but a creation that she does not get, that she is not known for, but is credited for, she is the co creator of Metamorpho, hmm. the, ele- the Element Man. <laughs> you the Element Man. Tell the Elephant Man. Uh, I yeah, am uh, not an animal. Oh, oh sorry. Not, <laughs> <laughs> had a little John Hurt flashback there. And um, 
And believe it or not, gents, she's 92 as well. Oh, wow. There's got to be something about those artists that was that those folks that were in the game back in the back in the late fifties. Yeah, the and, heyday. Yeah. yeah. And 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 I'm and I consider them part of the greatest generation because they're still doing it. And um if you want to see any of her stuff, a lot of her artwork grace the covers or some of the um um Randy will back me up on this. There were a lot of um albums that were put out by Peter Pan Records that that you heard theme songs to different superheroes like the Flash to oh, Justice yeah. there was a Justice League fight song and there was also a a record dedicated to Metamorpho who's a, a pretty much a very underrated superhero I don't like sometimes how they make him look he he looks freakish enough you don't have to make him look worse than he already is right. Yeah, it's not Swamp Thing. Yeah, he's not Swamp Thing, or as or as some folks say, Swamp Thing. Anyway, <laughs> Thang, <laughs> damn, T H A N G, Thang, Swamp Thang. <laughs> but uh, but she is um. Some I went back and I looked at some of her early Aquaman stories, and you really got how much there was a father and son aspect. To him and uh, to his and um, Garth, the original Aqualad, who's now known as Tempest, um, their relationship definitely was the father and son element was truly there. And there were some great stories. And I didn't really get a lot, get into a lot of them until I started reading some of the 100. Back in the day, they, when they used to do the 100 page for oh, 60 cent books. Yeah. It's just like um, instead of like the ones in Walmart, all it's a news. The, it'd be like a twenty-page news story, and then the rest would be re- reprints. Where the ones in Walmart are like a five pages of story, and like eighty and, and, and ninety-five pages of reprint. Exactly. And um, I was exposed to an Aquaman story that she did. I really liked it. Then I got some more. My cousin used to have the ones with world's finest. They would do a reprint story. So she is truly unsung because she has had a hand. She was a very, very important part of the Silver Age of the comics, especially during DC's run, and she doesn't get her due. So I just wanted to bring her to the light tonight. And that's a perfect case of what I'm talking about, artists and writers who had touched so many titles with both their Marvel and DC, and you don't realize that they may not have had continual runs on something, but they touched every character in that company. Right. Uh, Thomas, who you got? And while you're telling us you're unsung, Enos, here is that Art Germ Catwoman 12 cover. Damn! <laughs> and and uh, it's tilted a little bit more my way? Yes. Yeah, that is one talented, talented man. Oh, yeah. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I've got an unsung artist that's going to make you grin like the Joker, Randy. It, he does some fantastic yeah, work. Yeah, he does. Uh, Thomas, I noticed you, you you were busy looking at the cover, too. Yes. So my first person that, that we're talking about, I had, you know, I had talked previously about when I got into comics, and I, I, I you know, read for quite some time, from about 12 to about... Madman, I have this up if you want to come look at it. 17, 18 years old, when, you know, more pressing That's matters right. started happening, you know, right. namely girls. Right. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, you abandon that, and then you come back a little bit later. I came back in my 20s for a bit. You know, reading some G.I. Joe and some Transformers and things like that, and then faded away a little bit. And then in my late 20s, we went to a wrestling event in Richmond and found a comic book store. And I said, let's go in and check it out. And on the wall was Justice League of America Zero with the cover by Michael Turner. Oh, snap. And as soon as I saw it, I was like, I must buy this. And I picked it up and I read it. And I hadn't read, you know, comics in probably a good eight, ten years at that point. And I was hooked. His art was absolutely amazing. And I just, you know, I really feel that he doesn't get the credit he deserved for being as good as what he was. You know, his his covers were fantastic. They, you know, really drew you in. I had never really read Justice League before. I was always been a Marvel man. But, you know, when I went in there and I just saw it, I was like, I must buy this. He, he also, too, had just a tad bit of a of an anime manga look about his mm, characters he as did, well. Which, you know... No, I'm not into anime or manga, but I mean, like I said, his art was fantastic. We lost him way too early. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That was a sad day. Only 37 years old when he died of bone cancer. Right. Way too early. Right. You know, I'm strongly convinced, you know, had, was he still around today with the 
talent level that he has, you know, his covers would be, you know, on par with, with your Art Germs and your Adam Hughes's and for, for people that no want doubt. No, no doubt. No doubt. You know, he was, you know, and I just, I really feel that, you know, maybe people are waiting to rediscover him for his, his well, stuff to shoot up, but... Remember, he also too created um, Fathom. Fathom, Fathom. You know, his, yeah. I never he read wrote any and of illustrated. His, yeah, I never read any of his his um, his his created stuff or any of his stuff for Image or anything like that. To be honest with you, I didn't know it existed until recently. Well, well, sadly, but, I think as he was doing that, that's when he first started getting sick, and, mm, yeah. and the book had to go on the back burner. And yeah, and it you know. Yeah, if you guys have not seen Michael Turner's art, you know definitely check it out. He's he had a great run doing doing the uh, covers and everything for covers for Justice League of America, Identity Crisis, um, Action Comics, Adventures of Superman. Some of his stuff, some of his better stuff from Marvel were the covers for Civil War one through seven. Fantastic stuff. You know, cannot talk about him enough and how much how great he was and. I definitely credit him with getting me back into reading comics. You know, as as an adult, then you know. Definitely. I, I might, had I not seen that cover, I probably wouldn't have bought anything that day, and right. I wouldn't be here right now. I, st- I still have his um, Batman Superman run when he did the covers for the, the new girl in town when, yeah. it, when it brought Supergirl back in, which is actually a really great story. And I want to say he illustrated the story itself, not, not he did. just the he covers. Did. He, he, did. Did. Superman so Bat- he did. He did Superman Batman 8 through 13. He, he, did that enti- he did that entire storyline. And might I add, the Superman Batman Apocalypse Animated DVD used oh, his... Oh, that was so great. It was great. <laughs> um, they used his uh, artwork as a guide <laughs> for, um, for, for, for the character design. So that's a good way to pay homage to him in that regard. And um, it was something else that he did. Oh, yeah. The Flash, his covers... Oh, Help absolutely. sell the Flash, yep. Because mm-hmm. there's there was one cover where um they made into a statue where he um where Wally beat Gorilla Grodd. Gorilla Grodd was on his back and Wally was standing on top with one foot on his chest. <laughs> yeah. That that was a Michael Turner design. They turned to a um statue. Yes, he the Big C has taken away. A lot of great talents, and he was one of them. And yeah, he, way too. He early. definitely is truly missed. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, like I said, if you if you younger p- folks out there, or even you older folks that that, that haven't seen his, you know, pick up some of his stuff. Pick up, you know, look at his, you know, his Civil War, his Identity Crisis, you know, his his run on the, you know, that on those Justice League covers. He was amazing. Yep. And um, by the way, Enos, I wasn't flipping you off. I, I was I playing know. with the camera that's on the monitor. I, yeah, I, I, that's why I was. I knew what you. I thought you were messing with. Man, <laughs> no. with somebody with Mad Man. I, I just hand. realized that I'm on a, on the monitor behind you on the camera, so I figured I just. <laughs> all right, so I have someone here, and I know Enos is going to nod his head and go, "Oh yeah." So this artist was um, a huge. Um, Mainstay at both Marvel and DC in the 80s. Um, he was particularly known for very detailed, expressive art, and his characters had like, you know, they all had like a large eye look. Um, th- it's kind of odd because he didn't really stay on one book very long as much as he was like on all their titles, and that would be artist Pat Broderick. Oh, yes. <laughs> what did I tell you? Called it. Oh, my God. But uh, the man was a fantastic artist. Um, he was one of those ones, like I was saying earlier, he was one of those ones you would be reading a book and go, man, this is really nice. Who drew this? And you go back and look, you're like, huh, Pat Broderick. Okay, and you keep on reading. You'd pick up another book, and you'd be reading. It says, damn, this is really nice. And you'd look at it, and you go, oh, it's Pat Broderick. And before you realized that his name was everywhere, I'm going to read you some of the titles that this man worked on, okay? Um, he did Micronauts, issues 19 through 34, so he had a long run there. He did Alpha Flight. He did Battlestar Galactica. He did Captain Marvel, Captain Planet and the Planet of Tears. He did Daily Hands of Kung Fu, the Deathlock Annual. Did Quasar, Punisher, Red Sonja, Marvel Premiere, Marvel Spotlight Volume 2, which the Captain Marvel storyline, the issues 1 through 3 was him. Um, what If, number 19. My absolute favorite issue of What If is issue 19. That was the one that actually got me reading that whole series, and that was What If Spider-Man Had Never Been a Crime Fighter. Right. And that's the one where he stops the robber. Um, that, that issue is Matthew Broderick. So, and then for DC, he did Brave and the Bold, Captain Adam, The Flash, Green Lantern, Detective Comics, Fury of Firestorm, House of Mystery, and, and, and this is really big, and I did not know this was him. Um, it's part of why I love this show is we find these things out. 
He did Batman, including the year three storyline where it showed us how Batman met Dick Grayson and introduced Tim Drake. Yep. So it's, like I said, he's one of those ones that he never did a full run on a book. You know, he wasn't there for like massive years. But if you look, he's all over DC and Marvel books. It's, I don't want to say he was a fill-in artist, almost as much like a guest artist. You know, hey, by the way, so-and-so can't do the book this week. Would you mind taking over for a couple months? Sure, not a problem. So Pat Broderick is another one. Again, if you just go do a search on him and look at the Wikipedia, like I said, he's one of those artists that for a majority of the late 70s and the 80s, he was all he over was everywhere. Both, he had an awesome portfolio. Yes. And um, I was finishing high school when he had this. I think the longest run I've ever seen him on was he was on Detective Comics. And uh, Rick Holberg was doing Batman, and he was doing Detective right after uh, Gene Colan had left. And um, I really, really, I bought that book religiously up until I left to join the service. And um, I saw him on, uh, they had him on Home Shopping Network uh, back in the 90s promoting, there was, um, they, they were promoting the Night, Night's End storyline. Uh, right. Not Night's End, the, the Nightfall Night storyline. Nightfall, Night Quest, when, Night yeah. End, yeah. And he did a uh, lithograph where they were um, they had it up for sale. It, you know, that was a good one. I'd forgotten about him. Well, well, here's what's funny about uh, so when I was talking about Pat Broderick, he goes hand in hand with another artist at the time that I also loved, and he even said that his work was influenced by this other character, by this other artist from the '70s, and that's Michael Golden. You took the one I was going to... <laughs> I was going, oh, dang. Mike, Michael Golden did some great stuff. So, again, he was another one. He, late 70s, did work on Marvel, again, with the Micronauts. He did, right. like, the first 12 issues of Micronauts. Right. Um, he also um, did, did Bucky O'Hare, I think, for Eclipse. And, and, Thomas, here's one that's just going to floor you. He co-created Rogue with Chris Claremont in oh. Avengers Annual 10. Nice. Um, and what I really loved about this guy, and you know exactly what I'm going to talk, what I'm talking about, you could always tell a Michael Golden cover yes. because somewhere on it was a big G hidden in the artwork. <laughs> and I remember there's a great one. Let's see which one? He did covers for Rom, and I want to say it was uh, it was issue seven through eleven and issue nineteen. And on issue seven, there's one where Rom is in a chair and he's dying. He's shut down because remember he's part human, part cyborg. And there's a guy at a computer terminal telling Brandy from the book, who was the Earth woman he meets in issue one. And he says, I'm sorry, Brandy, but Rom is dead. And on the computer screen right there is a big G for Michael Gordon. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, he's another one um, that did a bunch of stuff. So, And it's funny. So he also did a lot of the interior art for books, too. So again, Batman, Batman Family, Ghost, House of Mystery, Mr. Miracle, Volume 2, Issues 23 through 25. Yes, sir. Birds of Prey, Detective Comics, Avengers Annual 10. Um, Daredevil, Defenders, Epic Illustrated. He also did the Howard the Duck Black and White magazine. So, and then, and those are just, and those are books that he actually did interior art. He also did covers, you know. One of my favorite series, the the first Savage She-Hulk. He did covers on those for like issues 8 through 11. Um, so yeah, Michael Golden is another one who, throughout yeah. that time period, you saw his art everywhere, you just didn't, didn't realize it was, was the same guy from this book to that book to that book. And how about that big lithograph that he drew of the Mar- of every character in the Marvel Universe? I thought I was the only other person who knew that one. Yes, yes. sir. I, I, I remember seeing that thing and wanting that, but that was huge. It was big. It was, <laughs> oh, my God. That would cover, if you got the actual size, would cover this back wall. Yeah. It's, so, yeah, Michael Go and Pat Broderick. They, took mine, man. I, I'm sorry, man. They were, they were two guys me. that were very influential. When I was reading comics, I loved their artwork. For, for me, if I saw their name on it, I didn't care if it was a character I read. It was gold. I was getting it. Oh, yeah. So, hey, Madman, you got any there? Um, any, I was I was looking all over to see who 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 came up with the idea of what the comics. Oh, right. The, there you go. Um, you mentioned what if earlier, and uh, I I do kind of want to mention what if and like how that's a, a really unique idea when it comes to writing stories that you know you don't have to deal with the consequences of. You know, you got you, you know you got this mon- monthly publication of Spider Man. You can't really do crazy stuff with that character like a writer may want to. Right. And so he comes up, it's like, what if Gwen Stacy died? You know, what if he couldn't get the symbiote costume off? 
you know? And those are like a couple of my favorite what if stories is like, what if Gwen Stacy died and what if he didn't get the costume off? Because those are excellent stories. But, you know, you don't have to come back to the next comic book that week and continue right. after, after that. And so you can have this little fantasy thing. And it was, I think, Marvel pioneered it. And then uh, DC came out with Elseworlds. And then, and I just, I loved well, that, that that happened. But when it comes to what the, it's the same kind of situation where you get uh, rotating artists and writers coming in with, a, just, just play with the character. Have fun with it. You know? And I, I really enjoyed those comic books because it was uh, disposable. It was quick. It was a lot of short stories. And it was the fun reads that remind me of my childhood reading comic books. Right. I had one growing up, an issue of what the, that had the, the Revengers versus the Just a League. I remember. Yeah. And, it, and, it had, and it had the Justice League parody, and that was easily one of my favorite favorite ones growing up. I well, loved it. It was hilarious. Had, they frequently had Superb Man, and I just loved it because they like, yeah, because they're... Because of that title, they were able to poke fun at their competitors' characters. Mm-hmm. Well, now, I'll tell you what. When you go back to What If, do you know who, who brought that series to Marvel and who proposed it? This is going to... And I only, know, I only know this. I'm not like an encyclopedia, guys. I only know this because I recently got the What If Complete Collection Volume 1 trade paperback. It has the first 12 issues And in you it. probably read the forward. And I read the forward. You're yeah. damn right. Um, <laughs> that was... That, it was brought up by Roy Thomas. Roy Thomas. Oh, wow. And he wrote the first issue. He wrote the second issue. And he wrote like several more after that. Because after the second issue, he realized, I can't do this all by myself. Right. Um, but yeah, so the very first issue was, what if Spider-Man had joined the Fantastic Four? Cool. He goes back to Spider-Man number one, where he shows up at right. Four Feet That's something, too. With, with a comic like that, it's probably hard to write month after month, too. Because oh, yeah. Absolutely. You, ha- you, you have to, going into creating that series, have probably about a good year, year and a half worth of... That's ideas. Why, yeah, that's well, you I have think... to. You also have to know some of the history of what's gone before. Exactly. Gonna, right. Oh, yeah. You have to know. A, with you have it. to know yeah. a lot, and you have, probably have to have a lot of ideas set up. That can't be an easy comic to well, write. I think that's why they had to have like rotating artists and writers and so right. forth. Yeah. All right. And Since I stole your um, Michael Goldwyn, this <laughs> who you got? I've got this one is a writer. If you read now, and I'm pretty sure Randy, like I said, you and I are right here when it comes to comics. If you read um, The Brave and the Bold, if you read Detective Comics, and there's a particular Batman story that I'm going to get to in a moment, this guy is responsible for some of the best Batman stories that you will ever read. His name is Mike W. Barr. Yes. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you something. Along with another unsung artist, and I'm, I call him unsung because it's not that no one knows who he is. It's just that I feel that he does not get his due for being a Batman artist, and that's Jim Aparo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Those two together is, is what brought you back every month to the brave and the bold. I don't care who they team Batman up with. Mike W. Barr made them interested and made you want to go out and look Absolutely. at their other stuff. Yeah. Yes. If you, if you, let's say for example, if you didn't care, give a damn about Adam Strange. When you read a, a Brave and the Bold story, when he teams up with Batman, you want to go out and read Adam Strange. My favorite one is the cover. <laughs> he's investigating the murder, the, the murder on um, Rand. Rand. And you see the one poster of Adam Strange on it and a line in the background. That's a great book. Yes. And uh, um, But Mike W. Barr, and the reason why you took, I, I, you took Michael Golden, I was going to bring him up. The best Batman story I ever read came out in 1984 in a one-shot called The Batman Special. It will. It introduced the raft to us. The name of the story was the player on the other side. This in this particular story on the very night that Thomas and Martha Wayne was murdered. Jim Gordon was a beat cop when he first started off with the Gotham City PD. He walks up on this guy who who was going into his house after he had just broke in and stole all this stuff, and he was putting the stuff in the house. Jim Gordon, you know what? As, as a good cop should, halt. Put the, the police of a guy turns around, fires. Jim Gordon gets hit, but he gets off a couple of shots. 
kills the kills the guy and kills his wife because she was in the in the she was in it with him. Cross the cross town, Bruce was the doctor and Mrs. Wayne were gunned down. So on that same night, two lives were altered and they went in two completely different directions. The wrath decided that he was going to go after, he would go worldwide killing, he was an assassin that killed law enforcement folks. He didn't go after anybody else. He killed um, people in Scotland Yard. He went, you know, whatever police or law enforcement was worldwide, he would take out hits, they would, he would take out hits on them. And Bruce Wayne, we all know what happened with him. And, Michael Golden did the artwork to that, and you were mentioning earlier how an anchor can make an artist look good, and this guy is really unsung. Mike DiCarlo does some great inking on on the Batman titles, and he really, man, he really did a number. Michael Golden is a, is a standout on his own, but with um, but with his, but with Mike DiCarlo's inks. That story stuck out, and I do believe there is a Batman Confidential story where um, Mike W. Barr wrote that, and Rags Morales, who did the art on Identity Crisis and Hawkman, did that artwork as well, where where the Raft's son comes back after Batman. See, so, thought, and that's in trade paperback. See, I thought for sure you'd mentioned Batman and the Outsiders because oh, I yeah, oh yeah oh yeah I was getting that to was, that. Yeah, okay. I was getting to that I was getting to that and <laughs> like, like I didn't leave it out don't leave brother. that out oh man. yeah don't know and, and 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 if he couldn't and as Madman said just when you think he couldn't have done any better then Batman the Brave and the Bold when that ended he even made Batman and the Outsiders a great seller and he introduced and Metamorpho yep. was part of that group Black Lightning. Yep. Um, Katana, Katana, Katana yeah. Halo, Halo. Ge- Geoforce, Geoforce, and his ugly brown all those, armor. All those C-grade characters that were a great team together. Exactly, exactly, exactly. and they and um, and he does not get his due because he is. If you are a Batman fan, you definitely owe a lot of your fandom to this guy because his his work is freaking awesome. He doesn't get his due. Absolutely, I, absolutely. Thomas, who you got? So, I've got one. So I got one. Enos is going to blow your mind. I bet. Oh, I bet. So things are, are definitely better for this creator now. You know, many many years after his death than what they were when he, when when he was alive. But when he was alive, he definitely did not get the credit he was due, and that's Batman co-creator Bill Finger. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 really never got his due. I mean, you know, you're looking him up. He he co-created Batman with Bob Kane. He did not get. His first public credit for a Batman story till 1966 in the Batman TV series, the October 12th to 13th, right. the Clock King, the Clock King's Crazy Crimes, and the Clock King gets crowned. It, you know, it's amazing that it went so long with someone that this that, important. That was the one that I had. That yeah. before he finally, before he finally got a credit, and you know, looking him up. You know, his name did not appear as an official credit on Batman stories or films until 2015. And right. that and that began with and, Batman versus Superman. And, well, and that that floors me. And, you know, it, it, you know, how on earth did it go this well, long? Well, here's the thing: it would have gone longer because there's a book. Mark Taylor Nobleman wrote a book called uh, "Bill the Boy Wonder: The That's Secret it. Co-Creator of Batman," and that book he tracks down um, his granddaughter. And because of that book and her basically hammering at DC, that's why he now gets the credit. Had that book not been written, he still might not be getting the credit. Right. And this man, let's be honest here, this man is one of the most important people in the history of comics. Yes. And and that's not over-exaggerating anything. He is the co-creator of Batman. And what we know as Batman is is solely, solely Bill Finger. Right. He didn't have nothing to do with it. Here's the the thing. Bob Kane wanted to make him red like Superman. Yeah. And Bob and wow. Bill Finger said, no, no, make the costume dark, make it black. Right. He wanted to put wings on him. Yeah. And Bill was like, no, make it, make it a long, you know, cowl and a cape. 
he was the one who came up with Bruce Wayne. So, so much of what we know about Batman was Bill well, Finger. Bill Finger. And, he, and, he, and, and then what makes it in... so bad, Bob Kane had the nerve to sit up there when, when the first Batman film came out, going around like he did it. But it wasn't a, but I'll give him this. He manned up. And in the book, Batman and Me, he owned up, said Bill was responsible right. for right. all he, of this. He eventually did, like you said, yeah. man up and, and, come, and come clean with it. But, you know, Finger had, had his hand in, in as the creator of the Riddler. He had, his, oh, yeah. he had his hand in the Joker. Robin, like you, you know, like you said, Bruce Wayne. I mean, this man was super important to comic history, and he just, you know, it was... Glossed over. Just right. glossed yeah. over. Well, I mean, 2015, before he started getting any credit on, on works, that is... Crazy. That's and crazy, this, and it's wrong. And here's oh, the yeah. thing: this goes longer than the yeah, screwing she, over that she's still in the Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This should have happened long time ago. And and I just have a feeling because I looked at some of the uh, like some of my trade paperbacks and some of my hardcovers. There's some Neil Adams would 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 pay homage to him. And a lot of other artists would do that as well, but and then, but like you know, but then you would see it just die off. Mm. But there was just some some artists who knew the deal and just were were not going to let you forget him. But basically, he was forgotten. Yeah. And if his and like you said, if his granddaughter hadn't pushed, if it wasn't for that book being written, Randy, and going to his granddaughter saying, "Wait a minute, my grandfather deserves a lot more credit," and we finally got the truth. It's a shame that he didn't live to see this, but I got a feeling he's he's happy right now. I would think so. I mean, and he and he deserves it. He oh yeah, it. he did, you know it was long, long overdue. overdue. Well, well but I mean, the only thing that bugs me about this is the way Schuster and Siegel got their credit was when the first Superman movie was coming out, and Neil Adams found out how they'd been screwed over. Right. He went to Warner Brothers in DC and said, "You need to make this right." Yeah. My problem with Bill Finger. Is no nobody one did from that. the comic community came up and nobody. said you guys need to make this right. right. It, it took a book by an outsider talking to the grandmother to get DC to go. Oh God, I guess maybe we should give him credit. Well, and do you think that maybe that might be because he died in 1974? Yeah. And since they hadn't done it by then, they just I guess it, said, well, we haven't done it, and it's it been this long. Do it. We're and, not going to do it. And, and you know, I, I can see that, but at the same time. They knew in the sixties they had done wrong. Oh, just oh like, yeah, just like with Schuster and Siegel, well, they well, yeah. knew now, they when had you come down them. to it, they knew they were doing wrong in the fifties. I mean, come oh on. yeah, oh yeah. When, when when they didn't give what did they give Siegel and Schuster for Superman eight hundred bucks? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And eventually, they finally gave him a pension. Yeah, gave him a know. pension and like you know and health really. insurance. But you know that was a long over. Well, after Neil yeah. Adams stepped forward and said, you and know, because this is... he spearheaded that, and he said he went he went to Saul Harrison and Jeanette Kahn said, hey, look, these guys. Hey, we need to. They, they they need to have. They need credit, right? And and with, with no and again with no exaggeration, Siegel and Schuster, the most two important people in the history of comics. Oh yeah. Well, oh, and, yeah. Also, and also with no exaggeration, it didn't hurt that Neil Adams said, "You're about to have a major motion picture come out. This is going to come to light." Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to tell you something. Neil Adams is really the voice of reason. Oh, I love him. There's when when so it comes many, to yes. comics, because if there's anybody that's for justice. For creators, it's Neil Adams. Yes. Well, I think that's what's wonderful about this particular medium is that all of these comic books are about justice. Oh right? yeah. And right. so if you're writing it, if you're drawing it, and you uh, and you love it, then it's because you believe in justice. And the reason why Bill Finger was eventually ousted as uh, for his uh, role in creating Batman, um, that is because all of these people who are creators in the medium of justice, you know, uh, crusaders of justice. Exactly. Want to live that life, too. Yes, exactly. All right, well, look at that. We're almost at the mm -hmm. end of our show again. We're really going to have to extend this thing to like an hour and a half because right. we can yeah. just really go. We could just go and, on and forever, you know, right? This is, exactly. This is a subject we can probably pick up again. Oh, later. yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I picked just those three, and I knew that I was running the risk that one of you would pick, was going to yeah. pick Bill Fanger. Well, I, I expected to be Enos of all people. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, have, I have several more I could talk about, well, too. I have, so. one, well, I have one. If you're a fan of The Phantom uh, and Shazam, Don Newton. Exactly. Yes. So we'll probably have to, re you know, we'll probably have yep. to revisit this. But anyway, but, but, but we're going to talk about well, Don. Well, we're going to talk about Shazam because remember, uh, we got uh, early advance screening for Shazam this Saturday. Woohoo! Right. And Woo we're going to do like two more weeks of review. I plan to see it again that Thursday when the whole group goes. Anyway, oh, um, yeah. but before we go, make sure you check. Uh, 
Madman Show, Shock Monkey Radio, Tuesday nights at 6 o'clock here on FXBG um, Public Radio. Enos, I know you got a couple Facebook group pages out there, Batman, Yesterday, Today, and Forever. And the realm, and of, the realm superhero of superheroes, comics, and pop culture. Look at that. Who's, get, who's getting that memorized? This guy. And, of course, <laughs> we've got our Lost in the Long Box on Facebook. We've got Lost in the Long Box at gmail.com. Lost in the Long B1 on Twitter. Man, is there any other thing we can just put social media on? Um, but that's all the time we've got. I don't have any fancy until next time because... I'm spent. I don't have one. Lazy. Same I'm, long box time. I might Same long, long box, box channel. channel. Well, there hey. you go. I might make you guys start writing, writing that copy. Uh, thank you, everyone. Have a good week. Have a good evening. Have a good night, everyone. Bye-bye.